Welcome to Limbach Unlocked. What's another word for super innovative, gonna get money through the door, not leveraged enough in this company and uh, pretty much the way to an owner's heart? Oh yeah, it's controls. For those of us who don't understand controls as an offering or as an entity, there's a confusion and maybe even a bit of fear. What even is this thing? Luckily for us, Brian Clan, Controls Manager from Eastern Pennsylvania, and Raquel Powers, Controls Manager from New England, are here to set the record straight. And just in time, too. I'm Katie Mystery from Learning and Engagement. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome, Brian and Raquel. Hi. Good- Hi. I'm so glad I can have you guys on today. I want to start with introductions. Brian, can you give us your history with this company and also with Controls? Sure. I've been with Limbach just for a short time. Um, and my history with Controls, I started as an engineer just outside of college. And I then proceeded to get into project management. Um, and then it's kind of uh, evolved from there. Um, Would you say that's a typical path for someone? to get into controls? Absolutely, it makes a lot of sense because it allows you to get the conceptual side, the the engineering, the technical side uh, down, and then you get to see a little bit more of the real world logistical side with the project management. Um, And that's a great building block to, uh, you know, to go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. And Raquel, what about your history with the company and with controls? Yeah. Um, so I, like Brian, I too just recently started with Limbach. So I'm relatively new to the company. Um, however, my career in controls began back in 1989 when I graduated from college. So I started working for um, Johnson Controls in Rhode Island, and I began as a customer service representative and a countersign oh. sales rep. So way back in the day when they used to sell parts out of branches. Um, And then in 1994, I started a business designing um, graphics as a subcontractor. So I grew that business to a team of seven over the course of over 20 years. Yeah, so it was a pretty good-sized team, and we supported um, 48 branches of Johnson Controls across the country. And our um, services expanded to commissioning and customer training and stuff, so... Then in 2015, I switched to being um, a project manager directly um, working for Automated Logic. And then um, eventually I jumped into a sales role over at Siemens. So right now at Limbach, my role sort of takes all of those experiences and combines them. Um, so I'm super excited about the role. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You you both bring such extensive experience, but from different angles, which I think is really neat to have you both on the show today. Because on one hand, we have a career starting with engineering and moving into the operations side. And then on the other hand, we have a career kind of starting in sales, right? <laughs> um, and then moving into, but you both came to controls. Yeah. That's where you are now. So yeah, all those things are important. I mean, the yeah. side is, you know, it's, Raquel and I have have talked about that extensively offline and it's having that sales experience that she had, um, I think Mm -hmm. so valuable as a doing what we do. Um, Because that's a, that's always going to be an aspect that's really intimately tied into our day-to-day operations. So that's something that I've 
kind of folded into the process over the years. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's really interesting to hear people with that sort of background from the very beginning. Oh, oh, definitely. And I think it also will help us with this, my next question, because I'm so curious. And I say this in the intro, but I'm, people are kind of confused by controls. <laughs> We're like, so wait, you can come from a sales background. You can come from an engineering background, project management. So what exactly are you doing? You know, like, so can you define controls? What is it? Raquel, do you want to, you want to start by very, helping us uh, figure out what it basic is? Basic sort of not being in the industry at all. Uh, the way I um, define controls is being sort of the central nervous system of a building. So basically, hmm. if you think of a building like a human being, the brain is the server, the BMS server, right? And your network of controllers um, controls the hearts and lungs of the building, which is like your water systems would be, you know, your um, your heart and your lungs would be your air handling units and BAV boxes and all that. So your BMS system controls all that, you know? So that's kind of how I think of controls. And that was you know, today's um, control systems really have evolved to become much more complex than the BMS systems of like the 1980s and the 1990s. So like a couple of decades ago, we started integrating systems like um, fire alarm and security elevators Mm -hmm. and lighting and BMS systems. But now the cool part of like a BMS system is we can utilize artificial intelligence and machine learning to get these systems to not only talk to each other, which sharing data back and forth, but they can actually learn to work together, which is is really super cool. So now there's like design concepts of CEO, like driving up to his or her parking garage. And then the security system recognizes the license plate and the face of the, the CEO, opens the garage, as the CEO is parking, the elevator then gets called down. Like this is in division 25 specifications, this stuff you're starting to see. And then that CEO's office space temperature is set to the desired temp. And then lines are adjusted. I mean, this stuff is, and actually that those specifications, those div 25 specifications we saw in a building in Boston recently. Wow. So it's, it's really cool. So, you know, that scenario is just like one of many that we're starting to see. And it's not only, you know, the luxury item, but it's also, you know, to save energy, have occupant Mm -hmm. um, comfort and safety and, and really bottom line, you know, to save money. So it's like, not just this nerdy solution. It's getting to be like pretty cool. Oh my gosh. So I, I love the visual of the human body too, because that is complex. And I think sometimes we forget how complex the human uh, system is. <laughs> Brian, would you add anything to Raquel's definition? No, I think that, that hits it right on the mark. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind though, is, is that a, a really important thing that we do is that kind of that interface with the customer. So mm-hmm. systems simplify and make what might be you know, hard to understand aspects to the building, your, your potentially your water system is Raquel alluded to and all that kind of stuff and puts it into graphics, for example, that allows a facility engineer to, in, in a very quick, easy way, run their building, as opposed to it being some, 
you know, this black box, nebulous, complicated. Right. Out in the, in the mechanical room somewhere. Yeah, you're lifting the veil, basically, of how the building is running. Um, right. And, and could you keep going with that line of thought? Because if we were try to try and sell the value of controls, which I think you guys, I'm already sold. All right, you got me. Um, but I'm an easy sell. So how would you approach selling the value? What's, what are the value propositions of controls for the company? And I think you already started to touch on that. So Brian, can you keep going with, with that line of thinking? I think that controls, I look at it in two different ways. Controls has inherent value, you know, kind of in and of itself. Um, the functionality that it provides, the fact that you can automate a water system or fan coil units or an air handler or whatever. But on top of that, in regards to um, at a higher level, it connects those mechanical systems through to the customer on a more mm -hmm. regular basis. So there's a there's a bit of a value proposition there for the mechanical side of our business. You know, if if we have a customer who I wouldn't even say has a control system, but is has a controls experience through Limbach because they're in contact with us regularly and they're looking at our graphics that has a uh, has Limbach on it regularly, um, and they see because of those graphics and our interactions that there are potentially issues or potentially upgrades um, with some of their mechanical system that ties through. And that analog is true for mechanical, water treatment, you name it. Anything that we do, construction, of course. Um, so I think that that tie-in is the, the true value proposition of controls. But there's obviously a breadth of the value that we could bring to the customer, depending on what the customer needs. Raquel, would you add anything to his um, understanding and definition of value propositions for controls? Yeah, definitely. Because like Brian said, we're in front of them con mm -hmm. continuously with that dashboard and that Limbach, you know, um, logo. Another part of that is that we, you know, through that BMS system, we sort of have this continuous finger on the pulse of the building. So mm -hmm. we can actually through the BMS system, through, you know, alarms or warnings and stuff, we get to start seeing that things may start to get a little out of whack with their mechanical systems or whatever, you know, system they have on the BMS. We can start seeing those parameters go out of whack and say, you know, call up the customer and say, hey, listen, we're seeing something that's not, doesn't seem right. We think we should take a look at, you know, this system and check it out before it becomes a problem. You know, mm -hmm. last thing that a customer wants is, you know, a call from a very unhappy occupant that they're freezing or, you know, that something went very wrong in the middle of the night. So we can, you know, be a little bit more proactive with our BMS system and kind of come in and be the, the hero for our customer. So, and then that just, that you know, opens the door to those ODR and GCR opportunities and stuff. And we like earned our customers sort of trust and confidence too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, after listening to both of you, it sounds so much like our business strategy is incomplete without controls. Uh, you know, the reason that we're packaged into, I shouldn't say packaged in, but where you always see controls as a part of um, big robust, long-lived companies like this is because it makes sense from a business perspective. You know, we're, mm -hmm. a, we're a piece of the pie um, and everything really ties together. 
It, it really does. Yeah, it, it completely makes sense. Um, I think we should break it down even further, though, because we talked about, you know, selling the value to customers. But I want to think, uh, I'm breaking it down, but making it even more broad, about business relationships, because our relationships are not just with GCs. They're not just with owners. I mean, we could have relationships across the industry. How can controls as an offering positively influence our company's business relationships? Brian, do you have a thought on that? Well, I think that um, one of the things that is really important to the customer at the end of the day is make their life easier, take their pain. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in the fortunate position with with the way that we implement our systems through our graphics and and through all of that in our dashboards and so forth and so on to um, kind of let the customer take a big sigh of relief because they can very clearly see what's going on in the building and feel as though they have direct control over that. So it's just, it's just a good opportunity for um, us to show off our, our, you know, our value and to extend that onto the different departments, as, as we said. And I think it's very reciprocal that that goes back and forth. As we alluded to before, everything is, is very closely knit together. Connected. Yeah. And I like the idea of making other people's lives easier. That's basically what you're in the business of. Absolutely. We use, because of our trending and all that sort of thing, we can essentially lend a hand with our diagnostics so that the customer and our service side, our mechanical side, water treatment, so forth and so on, have a leg up whenever they start to make any efforts that they do. Um, mm-hmm. And they have an ability to kind of more incisively see down into the system um, through the, the controls that we already have in place. It's a sensor network. It's a, yeah. it's a Raquel's um, analogy. It's like having, it's like your nerve endings. It's, we have a temperature sensor here and um, a flow sensor here, and it all adds up and aggregates together and makes it a very meaningful set of data. Huh. And, and go ahead, Raquel, you want to add yeah, to And to add to that, with that, you know, um, controls being sort of confusing for our customers and helping guide them, not only is it, you know, in the, in the moment in their current building, but, um, you know, future planning, you know, for customers, um, it, they can be very confusing, very frustrating, a little bit like calculus, you know? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then um, it, they could get pretty expensive. So, you know, becoming a trusted resource for our customers, you know, and helping them to design their BMS network infrastructure, um, working with MEP engineers, you know, explaining to GCs the value that we should not be VE'd out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They seem expensive. You know, we can be our customers' advocate for what's, you know, their best investment. And, you know, also... They may have a, a campus that they've had for a long time and they have some, you know, old controllers and we can help them, you know, come up with a migration plan um, as those controllers become obsolete. And then also, you know, they may have these concepts of they've got their tenants um, or, you know, coworkers that want these really cool systems that they've, you know, seen on the internet. Yeah. Um, then we can help support those integrations. So, you know, once again, we earn that trust 
of um, our customers and stuff through like our dashboard and everything that we're doing for them, it, it really does open up those cross sell opportunities for us too. So you both touched on educating the customer, which, which seems like a really crucial part of demystifying controls, right? But how do you propose educating the people in our own business? Because I had a conversation with a few salespeople recently, and they made the great point of, hey, we're not experts in everything. We got to bring in the people that are experts into these you know, sales conversations, and even ops folks into the ops conversations that we're having with customers. So Raquel, how would you educate our salespeople or our ops people about controls when we really haven't had much education in the past? Yeah, I, well, I'm a big fan of lunch and learns. So Mm -hmm. I think hosting like internal virtual lunch and learns um, that we can utilize our various controls teams throughout the country, you know, say one team can um, explain integrations, another one just the basic controller and make this available to um, everyone. I think that's kind of a fun way to start. Yeah, I've just wrote down lunch and learns for controls. All right, message loud and clear. (laughs) Uh, Brian, do you want to add anything, anything that's worked well for you in the past? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think one of the best things that we can do is to, when we have a, a controls opportunity, for example, I like to go out with the ASM, with the salesperson, with whomever, and kind of be shoulder to shoulder with them as we walk through the job with the customer. And I think that if you're out there and you're kind of, you know, uh, unraveling the job in, in simple terms, that as you, you know, said before, uh, kind of demystifies everything. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people have it, have it built up in their head that controls are something that they're not, that there's this uh, unbearably complicated, you know, type of uh, system. And at the end of the day, um, it's very often uh, perceived that way simply because of the way that it's talked about. So I think that we mm. need better, uh, you know, better agents of the company, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, better representatives of the controls business and simply talk about it in realistic terms, be there with the customer, talk about it with their ops people. And if we just come together and have that simple conversation, um, I I think the light bulb really goes off in a lot of people's heads. And excuse the ignorant question on my part, how do you know when there is a controls opportunity? I would say that I've learned over the, over the years that one of the best things that you can do is simply ask the question just explicitly. Do you guys have a controls opportunity? And you would think that that would be a almost uh, worthless pursuit because maybe the customer doesn't really know if they have one or not. But, you know, it's 2021 and customers are becoming a lot more savvy about their buildings and we got got to start to give them more credit. So mm-hmm. I have that most of the time they raise their hand and be like, you know what, I, you know, I'd really like to be able to do this and this. And I'm always very surprised of how much they know about controls, even if they don't have it already installed. Sure. Ooh, I like that. So that's kind of like a, you're in the power seat there a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and we here. Here's the thing: we can we can get them there too. I mean, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it, but we can if if you can kind of tell that they're kind of grasping, uh, then of course we'll we'll right. walk them along the path and and talk about it however we need to. But 
Um, a lot of times it's as simple as, um, can we provide a service for you? How can we be yeah. for you? Uh, it, it is. It's the power of inquiry. Just asking a question. All right, let's take a quick break from the from the power of inquiry, the power of controls for a moment, because I want to dive into one of our fun segments, because we want listeners to get to know you both a bit more as people, right? And then they can go to you with questions and bring you along on sales calls, you know, all that good business generating good stuff. Um, we're going to work through a segment called the situation room where I give you a situation and you talk us through how you would react, respond, engage with it. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds good. Here's the situation. There are now 25 hours in a day. What do you do with your extra hour? I'll start. I'll start off right off the bat uh, because wow. uh, not not to not to step on your toes, Raquel, but uh, that's okay. Um, okay. Just because I feel my wife hanging on my shoulder right here, but I would spend <laughs> an extra hour with her. Um, if I'm supposed to give the uh, the the business response, I would say, um, and if I had to spend that extra hour working on controls, it would definitely be in terms of um, development. And that's the, uh, the, the umbrella of internal development with our team and customer development and um, growing. You know, I think that for me, that's, it's always an exciting prospect to uh, organically grow the business. So I would work towards that. And, and your non-business answer was what again? To spend that extra hour with my wife. To I like that one. <laughs> That's a good one. Come on. I mean, I like it, but yeah. Yeah. But what would you do? Would you go like, you guys have hobbies that you like oh, to sure. do? I would probably drag her out to go for a hike. Um, yeah. Walk, um, or, you know, there, there is, uh, there's always that value of just uh, sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing because we have oh, yeah. you know, time to decompress. We, we do need that. We do need that. Um, Raquel, 25 hours in a day. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty similar to Brian that way. I think for the, you know, the business side of me is like, how much more can I get done? And the thing that I wish I had more time, again, like on that development side, mm -hmm. the technology and controls and our industry and, you know, learning about our customers, I like, there's not enough hours in the day to kind oh, of keep true. up with all the changes, like the, you know, what the different product line of controllers are and then the controllers that are coming with the manufacturer's equipment. So I definitely would love um, to be able to dedicate a whole hour to training or, you know, learning about uh -huh. how my customer's stock prices, you know, what's going on with their business. My so. word. <laughs> you both are a bunch of nerds. Yes. Totally. That's totally. for being in the controls. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then if, you know, I, I was able to complete all of the things that I want to get done on my to-do list for work and I had that extra hour a day, um, I would, I love taking the dog for a walk and mm -hmm. for that quiet time, you know, as I'm walking the dog on, and I do like, I'm fortunate to live close to the ocean by the ocean. I solve a lot of problems in my head. Yeah. And then it, because you have that time away from all the distractions and the like, oh my gosh, I should try this. So 
it's actually, you know, working in a different environment. So I do in fact have two fur babies myself as my wife. So I think that the they are fur babies. Fur babies, yeah. So I, I think I completely agree with Raquel. I mean, I, you gotta spend some time uh, just walking the dog and letting the thoughts flow. That's there's so much value in that. Oh, oh gosh. I mean, listen, with how efficient controls could make us, we might get 25 hours in the day one day soon. Or make it feel like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. perception yeah. is reality. So is- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll <laughs> try our best, okay? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, now, Raquel, you mentioned at the start of this podcast that you owned your own business for a while. And, and I'm always excited to see and hear about women-owned businesses coming to fruition and then figuring out how we can learn from your experiences. So um, back to some of our questions here. Are there any best practices you've learned from running your own business in the past to now sell controls offerings to our customers? Yep, definitely. There's there's a ton of lessons I, I did learn, but I would have to say the most critical lesson I learned that I do bring every day to um, work at Limbach is how important it is to pick our customers wisely, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get this opportunity and it's amazing. Oh my gosh, it's, you know, $5 million controls job and yeah. it's hard not to get excited, right? But then when you take a look at it and it, you know, isn't a customer who is going to pay us well, or, you know, we're, they want it at negative margin or something, you know, that's, it's important to take a look at that. So um, it's really important for our customers to really value and respect our services, you know, especially on the controls side, a lot of our work is actually invisible to owners and, you know, our contractors and even our coworkers that there's things yeah. like, you know, programming and database development, even, you know, that graphic that you see, the work that goes behind that graphic, the binding of the data, like the customers like don't see that. So it's really important that they do value those labor hours. So, um, and then also sometimes with controls, they kind of expect us to work for free. Oh, just make this change here and there. So like, it's important that they really value that if we're on site, that we're not working for free and that they need to pay us on a timely basis. We're not a bank, you know? Mm -hmm. And if they're willing to like learn and see the value of what we do and how we can help them provide like occupant comfort or save energy and optimally, um, maintain their assets, you know, it's with the right customer, we can really grow our businesses across the board, you know, exponentially. So that's oh, just, yeah. yeah, what that's the most important lesson I've learned. Oh, and I'm sure you have many more. <laughs> we could, we could deep dive into those, but the fact that you've collected those great lessons, um, is helpful even to other controls experts, you know, their analytics, right. To learn and, and grow from, um, here's, here's an, here's an awkward transition for you, but speaking of analytics, (laughs) and I know it's a different kind of analytics, but there is a component of controls that is about analytics. So Brian analytics in a growing industry that is closely linked with controls. How do you think analytics will change how the control businesses go to market? Well, here's the thing is there's so when we install a big system and a big building, there's so much data that comes through. 
because if you think about it, if we have 100 fan coil units and uh, so many air handlers and so forth and so on, if you tally up all those data points at the end of the day, um, it's so overwhelming that an individual, a person, um, would have a hard time making sense and utilizing that whole data set. So analytics is all about big data and, and making use of, of stuff that would have just gone down the drain. Otherwise, it would have mm. just server somewhere and, and not been utilized. So <clears throat> I think it's going to change the industry because, and it really is starting to change the industry now because end users, customers are really starting to um, see how it can transform their business in terms of efficiency and in terms of preventative maintenance and in terms of, um, well, you know, just getting ahead of issues in general in their building um, because mm -hmm. all this big data that's big data that's sitting on their server that's been aggregated by these analytics can be meaningfully analyzed and then turn into strategies that you or me or whomever else don't have to laboriously, you know, craft a plan and put it in place and so forth and so on. Uh, these algorithms with uh, analytics kind of do that for us. And is, is really a helping hand. It's an AI helping hand, if you will. So I think that wow. the value of that kind of speaks for itself and it's just becoming clearer and clearer to our customers, it's especially as we do a better and better job of representing its value as we go to market. Right, it's helping them be proactive versus reactive. Um, and goes back to that co the cost saving, time saving, those value propositions you guys mentioned earlier. Um, what else beside the growing use of analytics, in your opinion, will advance the need for and desire for controls in the industry? So I think that um, we're only on an upward trajectory in terms of the amount of stuff that we have in buildings, the amount of components, the amount of integrated subsystems. What I mean by that is lighting, you know, access systems, so forth and so on. So as those types of systems get put into a given office building or get put into a data center, our uh, need to get our, our heads wrapped around that and to integrate that into uh, a building automation system, that's, that's where we're going to be ever that much more needed. Um, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And Raquel, you mentioned machine learning and artificial intelligence earlier on. Are those um, critical inputs to controls growth, do you think? Definitely, definitely. You know, with AI and ML, you know, we're not only, you know, growing our commercial um, controls market, um, but it's also playing a big part in our home lives. So what ends up happening is, you know, we start, people hear about these concepts and they're like, oh, just, it's going to be too expensive, right? They dismiss it on the commercial side as we're mm -hmm. sort of doing, you know, that CEO scenario that we had, we had talked about earlier, mm -hmm. start to dismiss it. It's going to be too expensive. Let's be out of it. But then all of a sudden this technology starts to appear in our homes. And then with keeping up with the Joneses, oh, my neighbor has it. I've got to have that. Right. You know? So with that sort of um, a, adoption of this technology, now all of a sudden the building occupants are expecting that in their workplace, you know, that they should have this technology that's 
become the expectation. So now controls isn't on the, you know, maybe that MEP side or on the GC side, it's not considered a luxury item anymore or something like, oh, I need to have it. It's like, now we want to have it. So then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's just like this whole mindset change. So in the future, the concept will be that your boilers controller will sense a problem happening and then say, well, you know, I can't keep operating this way. So it will then through the BMS system, be able to send alert, send an email, actually schedule a repair or on even maintenance and then order its appropriate part. What? Yes, that is, I mean, it isn't happening now, but I will see that happening in my career. So you can actually, I think it's IBM Watson. There's um, a YouTube video of the elevator calling the repair person. So like if you Google or YouTube search that, that's, that's something that, you know, the controls companies are working with IBM to make these concepts into a reality. So, so it's like, so cool. Wait, we, we have smartphones, but we're going to have smart boilers and smart elevators. Yes. <laughs> yes. This world, I'll tell you what, you guys are at the cutting edge. That's super exciting. We're definitely associated with the internet of things. And (laughs) I would not say our daily bread and butter is IOT, but we're becoming, every day we're becoming closer and closer to IOT and how that that entire world, um, camera, buying faces as Raquel, uh, you know, talked about and so forth and so on. And the last five years, I've really noticed that customers do get excited about, you know, having certain graphics up on their phone, just being able to pull it out and to dial in and all that kind of stuff. And there's kind of what we were talking about before, more of this want to have that piece Mm -hmm. of as opposed to this is something that I just have to deal with. A building automation is something that I just have to deal with. It's a necessary evil. So um, things are changing, that's for sure. The winds of change is the only constant, really. (laughs) Um, As we're winding down here, I have to ask to close us out because there are mostly non-controls people who are listening to this podcast. Um, But you talked about why customers are getting more excited about controls. Why should our non-controls folks at Limbach and Harper be excited about controls? Brian, what do you think? I mean, first of all, because controls are cool. Yeah. Right enough. But come on. So they, they honestly, all joking aside, controls are going to start to be more interesting and um, more accessible. So they're not going to just be this nebulous thing that's off, you know, over in, in the building somewhere that we have to deal with. As I said before, it's going to be something that just like an app on your phone that you want to play with, you're going to want to play with. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think they should be excited for that, but also because Controls can really make, you know, other people's lives easier, as we talked about before. So that's why they should be excited about it, because they don't have to go through as much um, pain internally with their customer, because they already have a little bit of insight into the building. Um, And I, I think it's also, lastly, I would say is that controls is a really high quality, but low-key advertisement for 
all that the other folks in Limbach, what they do. Um, mm -hmm. all, because as, as we talked about before, it kind of ties everything through. And with our regular customer interactions and our, our graphics, it's, uh, it's gonna make their lives easier to sell and to maintain. Yep, it's the thread. That's, that's well said. Raquel, your thoughts? Yeah, um, so I, I think of controls as like sort of speaking a, a foreign language. So I know that um, other, you know, uh, trades in our industry get a little confused by it. So uh -huh. you know, I think of like your controls team um, as being like a translator to this crazy language. So whether it's us installing controls, you know, I've had instances where, you know, some of my teammates may have an issue with, say, Siemens or something, and I'm, I'm able to help them you know, sort of not get taken advantage of. So, you know, we're here to help. Your controls on um, teammates are here to help. So I would say just reach out. It doesn't have to be a sales opportunity for us. If you're getting, feeling frustrated and don't understand controls, you've got your translator. Call us. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're here. We're here. We're happy to help. A very good point to make. And that's something I, I say all the time is that we're, as cheesy as it sounds, we're really here as a resource all the time. We want to be involved in whatever it may be, sales, ops, whatever, you know, we're, and I'll speak for Raquel and say that um, we're, we're team players just because we want to make, you know, our colleagues' lives easier. So yeah. if you with controls, just pull us in and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll help make it, the, the problem go away. Okay. You heard it here. So everybody listening to this podcast has no excuse now. <laughs> they, they have to reach out. Um, this is the perfect way to close us out, but it would not be a complete show without one last question, the curveball question. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. And of course, it has absolutely nothing to do with what we've talked about today, except for the fact that it kind of does, because my question for the two of you is if you could be magically fluent in any language besides controls, what would it be? Raquel, what language? Wow. Um, this is a fun one. <laughs> this is. Curveball, I would say. Yeah, yeah. it's a curveball. All right. I, you know, uh, I'm gonna have to say I love to travel to Europe, so I would have to say Italian. Um, oh. I love Italy. I love Italy. Although you know, maybe in the future, you, something Mandarin might have been a, a, a wiser choice. But I'm really, you know, I'm gonna assume Google Translate can help me. Yeah, that. yeah. Go with your heart there with Italian. Definitely <laughs> seems pretty cool. Brian, what about you? Fluent in any language? I'll be honest, I don't really have anything that's like coming to, you know, to my mind, but I will say there's something in my life I want to take revenge on, which is, I think I took Spanish for four years. Oh my Hola, my name is, or I see, I just, <laughs> so I would probably learn Spanish just to show, show my old self that it can be done. Okay. You know what? 
Good for you. So ciao and adios. That's what we can say now. <laughs> because thank you so much for your time. Thank you for answering that crazy question. Um, just another way we get to know you guys a little bit more. We've been needing to talk about this topic of controls for a long, long while. And I'm so glad we can finally provide our listeners with such helpful content. And just to repeat, you heard it here, that you can reach out to Brian or Raquel with any questions, anytime. Um, whether or not you have a controls person in your own branch, we're all team players, like you guys said. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Who doesn't want an easier life? Brian Klon and Raquel Powers have given us a taste of how life can be made all the more easy with controls as part of the solution. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, internet of things, woo, the world is moving along. And Controls is going to help us stay ahead of the curve. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked. <laughs>